Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 56 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I am thrilled that you're here. I am much more awake and alert and alive than I was the last time I talked to you, which was two weeks ago. I didn't put out a show last week. And uh, guess what? I didn't even apologize for it. Um, it has just been a month. I believe that I have told you that, but um, camping, out of country, family death, uh, medical procedure, and two migraines in the last few weeks have all, um, they left me really flat. So I recorded that episode um, a couple weeks ago, and this is uh, the next one. And I usually feel kind of guilty when I don't put out a podcast. I feel like I need to tell you all why and like make sure it's on Facebook and make sure people aren't worrying about the show. But I realized that um, this is my job. I get to do it the way I want to do it. And last week I needed a, a, a break. Um, but I am feeling so much better. And I have a great show for you today. I talked to Fiona Mazel, who is fantastic to talk to. Um, you are really, really going to get a lot out of the episode, I know. And um, I also kind of gave her some new questions, questions that I haven't been asking on the show before. I've moved some questions around. I'm adding some more. Thanks to your great help. I asked a few episodes ago, like, what should we shake up now that it's um, been going this long, this, this podcast, more than a year now? And I got some really, really great answers. If you don't hear your question um, that you gave me, I might still be working it in. I got some excellent, excellent questions. Um, so that was fun to talk to her with the new lineup of questions. I really enjoyed talking to her. And a um, little catch up from what's going on around here. I'm back at the page, which is fantastic. Um, I don't think that I had ever taken so long away from writing new words. I, of course, I've been revising and I've been writing nonfiction and um, essays and uh, that kind of thing, but I hadn't had my hands in the fiction world for more than a month, I would say, probably five or six weeks. I just hadn't been in there, and it had been making me crazy, um, as you guys have probably heard in my voice in some of the episodes. So I'm back into the thriller. Uh, I trying to pull off an ending. Um, and I got to tell you, taking a month off was really good for the work because before I took that month off, I really thought that I just didn't have a book. I was two thirds of the way done. Um, and I've just been stuck there. And the last time I had looked at my note, the last time I had written in my notebook, um, my, my plotting notebook, basically I'd come to this conclusion, like this whole entire book is jacked and I need to throw out the entire premise and start over. And when I got back to it this week, um, I realized, oh, no, 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 I just need to do some tweaking, some character motivation work, a little bit of back plot issues to be resolved. And suddenly I had the brain cells available to me to figure out what those answers were and to push them a little bit further and um, make them more interesting and deeper and mean more. And God, it just feels really good. My mojo is back and my mojo doesn't normally stray too far away from my desk. You know, I can usually lay hands on my mojo and to not have it there for a while was really distressing. So um, getting some good words, getting some good work done, uh, that feels great. And the other thing 
that I did is I turned down an, an awesome job. Um, a university, which I shall not name, uh, came to me because, you know, they're a good university and I don't want to malign them by what I did. Um, but offered, they offered me a job as a subject matter expert for helping develop their MFA curriculum. And, um, and I was so flattered and so excited and thought this would be great for my CV. And, uh, and every single step of the way, every single piece of paperwork that I did, I just felt this, this, this emptiness in the pit of my stomach. Just, I just didn't want to that, that doubt. And just my gut was saying, this isn't for you, but my brain was clearly saying, this is absolutely for you. This is great. What an opportunity. Uh, this will be so interesting. And then I basically, oh, I wrote about it in my latest Patreon essay. So if you want to get the Patreon essay about, um, procrastination and what procrastination can mean and uh, how I deal with procrastination myself. Um, you can get that for as little as a buck over at patreon.com slash Rachel. That's all I will say about that. Thank you to my patrons who support me. It means the world. Um, but I, in that essay, I wrote about the letter that I wrote myself from my future self. And I know that sounds woo-woo and hippie and all of that, but I really wanted to find out what the person in my future, who is me, uh, thought about this decision I was having such a hard time making. Like, I just could not bring myself to sign the contract. I really couldn't. I just kept putting it off for days. And it didn't feel like depression. It didn't feel like um, I was confused. It just felt like my gut was saying, no, 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 no. And that that future self told me some things like, uh, number one, it wasn't enough money for um, the amount of work they would want me to do. Uh, it was a ton of research that was going to take time directly away from my fiction, uh, and my nonfiction. And it basically my future self told me to take care of my presence and my, my future self told my present self to take care of my future self. Now we've gone full California. I apologize for that. Um, but it really worked and I'm super proud of myself for turning down some money. Cause I'm always, I'm always scratching for scratch. You know, I always, I always want to make more more cash, um, on the side, you know, diversified income, all of that. We're writers. It's, it's hard to make money. Uh, but I am proud of that decision. I'm still, I'm going to be teaching two courses this semester. Um, one at Berkeley, one at Stanford and in, in the fall, and I'm just finishing up a fantastic course that I have had at Berkeley, um, this summer, which was developing the novel. I had the best students, we had the best time. Sometimes classes just really gel and this one really, really did. So that's fantastic. So I'm not stopping teaching, but I don't need to be a subject matter expert. I need to be a subject matter expert in my own life, in my own writing. So I feel pretty good about that, y'all. And that is just about my update. Please enjoy the interview with Fiona Mazel. I know you will. Please get to your own writing carve out some time for yourself this week. Don't let another week go by. If you haven't written this week so far, write a sentence, write two sentences. I don't care. Just write something. I know you can do it. And thanks as always for listening. Talk soon. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview.
Okay, well, I could not be more pleased today to have Fiona Mazel on the show. Hello, Fiona. Wow, you pronounced my name right and everything. <laughs> I Amazing. Did a, I did a little research. You it's did Mazelle, your homework. like gazelle. Yes, That's yes. Right. <laughs> Let me right. give you a little introduction for those who might not know you. Fiona Mazel is author of the novels A Little More Human, Woke Up Lonely, and Last Last Chance. She's the winner of a 2017 Guggenheim Fellowship and the Bard Prize for Fiction. Her stories have appeared in Conjunctions, Harper's, Plowshares, Tin House, and Best American Short Stories 2017. Congrats on that. That's Thanks. Best American cool. is, is coming in yeah, October. So I it hasn't, hasn't quite happened yet. I actually knew that from another friend. So um, that's just like just knowing that your story is in the Best American. I know, I'm so excited. Oh my God. It was great. Um, she has taught in the creative writing programs at Brooklyn College, NYU, Adelphi, Princeton, Syracuse, Columbia, and the University of Leipzig, Germany, and is currently the Director of Communications for a legal nonprofit, Measures for Justice, and she lives in Brooklyn, New York. Again, welcome. Thanks. That bio makes it sound like I get fired a lot. <laughs> no, I actually thought it sounded, just makes you sound really awesome. Like that's... No, Either I get around or I just get canned, you know. <laughs> I teach a class and they're like, she's out of here. I don't know. Whenever I teach a class, that means that like I have taught there, you know? Yes. <laughs> Currently, I am teaching at Berkeley and Stanford. and But for the rest of my life, I will have taught at Berkeley and Stanford. Yes, that's you, right. You understand. Lucky okay. you. I, I know. It's pretty cool. Um, well, I was telling you before we got on the line that I, I came to you through uh, Wendy McClure, who's been on the show before. And I heard your story on This American Life. And then I was just super intrigued by this voice of yours that you have. And I have been reading a little more human, which I've been loving and yeah, your you. handle on the absurd and the profound at the same time is something that is so delicious. It really is kind of the, uh, the ridiculous and the sublime all at once and beautifully told. So, um, I'd like to encourage listeners to go out and grab the new book, which is fantastic. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your process. Um, sure. so what is the best time of day for you to write and where, do you end up writing? I gotta say, I mean, I was thinking about that question. I feel like implicit in that question is uh, a kind of assumption or premise that there is such a thing as a best time or a worst time or a best place or a worst place. Tell me I gotta more. Say, I mean, I've just never been spoiled like that. I, yeah. I remember I did once meet a writer who uh, basically got her husband to kind of redecorate and redesign the entire house so that she could have this sort of feng shui writing spot. And I thought, wow, I cannot believe that she kind of sandbagged her husband or she hoodwinked him into thinking that this is what a writer needs. <laughs> I mean, I did. I remember that Jill Kremen's beautiful book. I think it was called like a writer's desk. I remember oh, E.B. Yes, White had this absolutely. amazing place to work. And no doubt it absolutely helps. You know, if you can have a serene, quiet, beautiful place where you can just look at the window and look at a lake and you know, have no distractions. That is the ideal. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to get to a writer's uh, residency or a, a, like a colony or an artist colony like Yacht or McDowell, and you have that seclusion in a beautiful place, that is amazing. And so for me, yes, that would be the best. But I mean, I live in New York City. I have a full-time job and I have a two and a half year old daughter. <laughs> so writing, you write when you write? Like in the bathtub if I have to. <laughs> you know, like I write when I can write, you know, if I have the mental faculties, if I'm not exhausted, that I sit at my desk. I Right now I'm sitting in like a tiny little desk in the tiny corner of my apartment. Um, you know, what do I need? I, I do need a computer. I cannot write by longhand anymore. I just cannot. Okay. I need a computer and uh, a solid surface would be nice. <laughs> but I can write, you know, in a cafe. I can write on a bus. I can write 
you know, wherever you put me, I will, I can work. All I need is just to be left alone. And that is actually yeah. much more challenging than time of day or so if I'm writing at night, it's just because that's when everyone else is like shut down and I can just do my thing, but I don't particularly prefer writing at night. I'm tired. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's that really is more about, yeah. I think that's a great answer. And especially the thing about being away from people. I recently, just last week, I bought, <laughs> I bought a desk, a little, a little desk to attach to my steering wheel. Because I was trying to rack, oh, uh, rack okay, my, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah. That just sounds so dangerous. Is it, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I have a smart car, so I actually have to be parked when I use it because I need to be far enough away. Um, but I was, I was just kind of sitting here thinking, like, my house is loud. My wife and I have a lot of animals. And, and I, I'm lucky enough to have the home office. But then I was racking my brain trying to think, like, where can I go that's always quiet, that I don't have to talk to anybody? And I realized I have this portable office, which you probably don't have in New York. Oh, I do. But, I oh, do you have a car. Do. You're giving me ideas. Seriously. So it's just this little plastic thing that you hook onto it. And I haven't used it yet. It's definitely aspirational. But I just, I can uh-huh. picture myself driving to the beach and just, and just writing where no one can find that's me. That's a great idea. <laughs> That is a great so, idea. Yes, it's like that, it's super that might slim. Have to happen to me. Slips behind the you know the passenger seat or next to you. Yes, recommend. I love this. <laughs> this is great. So so there you go. You know, I mean, writing is less about where you do it and what mug you're holding while yeah. you're writing and what clothes you're wearing and the music that's playing. Although actually, music can be relevant for some people. It's just about fiercely guarding. Yes. You know, you have to be really, um, I think, aggressive about kicking everyone out of your space and just doing what you have to do where that happens speaking of music do you i I don't actually use music anymore i found myself that i can't do you use music when you write you know it really depends i mean i have a complicated relationship to music when i when i work my last novel not not um a little more human but the one before that woke up lonely i was listening to a lot of nick cave like obsessively Mm. I was listening to a lot of music about loneliness. And so mm-hmm. I might listen to this music, but I can't do it at the, at the same time. I can't listen to music with lyrics Mm-mm. and write at the same time because then I just start listening to the lyrics. I can listen to classical music, though, yeah. uh, and write because uh, I, I don't have to sort of tune out the language in order to focus on what I'm doing. And so often I find that helpful. That but, sense. yeah, I mean, I listen to music if I feel like it's going to put me in a particular state of mind. You know, if I need to find a way to shut out everything that's happened to me during the day or this kind of chaos swirling around and I need to just focus, a lot of times music will help me um, sort awesome. of double down on, on the work. But I tend not to listen. I cannot listen to music I really love, especially like Leonard Cohen. I'm obsessed oh. with Leonard Cohen. I love Leonard Cohen. And I think his brilliant. lyrics are so – he's brilliant. And, you know, people sort of poo-poo his lyrics and his poetry. And, I mean, I get it. But but the lyrics to, and the music together, you know, I just – I really want to listen and yeah. then forget it. I'm not going to sit down and, and write. I'm just going to listen to Leonard all day. So <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. How do you celebrate finishing a project? Um, well, it depends what you mean by finish, really. I mean, nothing ever really – it's very anticlimactic uh, yes. in some ways because you sort of finish. You know, you, you turn in your last pass and then you feel like, I'm done. But then, you know, there's page proofs and then they're okay, like, you're so like, oh, wait, I don't like this. I don't like that. Let's say the very first draft – the very first, the end, when when the book is as complete as you can get before you get into revision. Okay, well, I would say I would say I, I celebrate when the book is published. Oh, okay. Because at this point, I have enough experience to know yeah. that it's not over. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yay, I wrote a draft. Okay, back to work. You know, it lasts <laughs> 35 seconds. It wasn't like my first novel. I was like, oh my god, I wrote a novel. You know that that uh, that thrill, wonderful that as it is, um, is, is 
yeah, it was it was wonderful. It's always wonderful, but I also know that the you know for me writing is revision. Like that's where the real work is. So um, you know, there's a some some sense of satisfaction that like I actually got the words on the page. And I think this time I'm working on something new, and it's so hard now to get time to write that if I miraculously manage to pull out a novel, it will be it really will be cause for celebration of a different kind. But yeah, I mean, I celebrate when a book comes out. I mean, uh, how, how you know, do you do that? I do my one-legged happy dance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it just depends. I don't have any rituals. You can see I'm really easygoing over here. I, mean, <laughs> I think maybe I did, um, I think I went out and did karaoke with a friend of mine, some friends of mine. And mind you, I have, I do not like karaoke and find I'm appalled by karaoke. <laughs> I've only done it maybe one other time and it was horrifying. But she finished her dissertation, you know, or yeah, it was her dissertation, and I, you know, so we celebrated together, you know, with something to do. But I don't, I don't stand on ceremony. I mean, yeah. I had a book party for my my first novel, I had a big book party. My second book, I had a, a kind of also a big event, but it was at a store, but it was really fun. And my third book, I was like, eh, let's <laughs> dinner, mom. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like, I think it was Zadie Smith who says that she, um, when she finishes a book, that she she feels really good for about four and a half hours, and then everything goes back to normal. That the, sounds about right. <laughs> right, doesn't it? Yeah. That sounds four and a half hours is luxurious. That's that's a long time. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't I I am not dismissive at all of the accomplishment, you yeah. know, that you can get it done it always feels incredible. Even if you know I mean, just because the the delight of having finished something is is um I don't know what's the word, maybe not so much diminished, but certainly mitigated by the kind of dread not just of its reception, but of, you know, how you feel about it and what yeah. you have to do and is it really any good even even still, I mean, it's always just a thrill to be able to do this work and to be able to keep doing it is, you know, is the best part. For me, it's always a relief, too, that I find that I managed to pull this off because, you know, two thirds into a book, you always know that this book is the worst thing that's ever happened to the world right. and you will right. not succeed. Yes. So, yeah. There what is that. But there's also just, I mean, just the final point, I mean, for yeah. me anyway, and this might be because, you know, I'm just sort of nerdy in this way. But for me, actually, the, the most fun part is actually in the doing. You know, when it's going well, there's no greater feeling. Even when it's going horribly, you know, your mind is engaged in a way, it's stimulated in a way that's super exciting. When you're done, you're also kind of like, oh, like, ugh. Now I have to turn, give it to a editor and a publisher, and I have to do all this stuff. Like the worst part of writing, I think, is 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 in some ways happens once you're done, even if the book does tremendously well. You know, yeah, it's just not as fun. Absolutely. So, So do you love revision or hate revision? Are you? I like it. I like it. I mean, it's a challenge. Yeah. You know, I, I always feel thrilled when I'm, in fact, two seconds before you called me, I was working, writing, like I had five minutes. I was like, I'm going to write a sentence. And I went in and I saw something and I was like, oh, this is hideous, you know? And then oh, I feel I kind that. of a thrill when I can make it better. Yeah. Find a new way in. Um, it's also challenging. You know, I've worked with some great editors and they've really pushed me ferociously and they've made me, they've kind of forced me to, to raise the bar mm-hmm. and to clear bars I didn't think I could clear and maybe I still haven't, but they certainly, Challenge me, and I, I mean, I like a challenge. I like editors who make me cry, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Fair. If I think that I can't do it, and then I do it, yes. Al- and they're always right. They're always exactly yeah. right. They're always right. They're yeah. always right. I hate that. Always right. <laughs> yeah, me too. What is the absolute best or worst writing advice you've ever been given? Okay, I think that the advice did not actually come in the form of advice, not really like a declarative sentence, right. but more in the form of a question which I actually got, I was a very young writer, and it was a sobering question, and it came from the absolutely wonderful writer Jim Shepard. He had read uh, a very, maybe 150 pages of my now novel in a drawer, oh. 
Oh. And um, sorry. And I remember <laughs> yeah. him reading it, and he was being. He was like, "Well, this is all fine and well, but you know, so what?" And I was like, "So what? Oh my god! You know, this was just it was sobering, and I never forgot it. Yeah. And now my my so what is sort of internalized. I don't really have to ask myself at this point. Well, so what? But it is. It was the best piece of advice in some way as I ever got. And I always talk about this with my students that you know your fiction. It's not enough to be clever. It's not, you know, if you're smart and you're clever, and even if you're writing great sentences, you know, if your project is not staked in something bigger, you know, if you're not really looking at the big questions, mm -hmm. if you're not, if you don't have a kind of emotional context and emotional predicament, uh, a kind of the profundity that is often uh, executed when you have really uh, meaningful tension at play in your work, if you're not kind of getting in there, then you got nothing. You know, you got nothing. I so love that. I remind, you know, I, I think about this all the time. Make sure that, you know, my work is staked in something that matters. And, you know, that I'm trying to do something with this work. You know, finally, I mean, we're trying to change lives, save mm -hmm. lives, whatever platitude mm -hmm. you want to adopt. But you still got to remember that, you know, you're aiming high. So, And that also, I mean, at a, at a very base level, too, that keeps readers turning pages. Because I will, no matter how beautiful a story is, no matter how lyrically it's written, if there's not a so what, I'll just stop reading. And, and exactly. there's, there's too many books in the world. So, I mean, there's not this too is many. True. <laughs> this is true. And there's, you know, it's the, it's the equivalent of just sort of make me care. Exactly. And I mean, I read a lot of stuff and, you know, it's, it's smart and often it's very droll and um, even inventive. But even still, at a certain point, you know, I'll get maybe 20, 30, 40 pages in. I'm like, okay, but, you know, what else you got? Right. So I right. mean, the bar, like and I said, I, the bar is high. If I don't ask that, it doesn't occur to me to ask it. I'm just dragged through the book. You know, that's, right. that's, that's where I, that's what I look for when I'm reading. Can you, along those lines, can you share a craft tip of any sort? Um, yes, I just, I have to pick one. <laughs> um, I think a really good one, and this doesn't come from me, but I can't remember where it came from, but I think about it a lot. Mm -hmm is um, that you should really, especially, you know, when you're doing drafts and, and especially when you come into revision is that you really should try to exhaust your worst ideas. You know, you should try to outlast them in some ways, you know, so whenever like, I think we all sort of sit down, most of us are not like instantly inventive, all, you know, from the get go, yeah. sort of sit down. A lot I of people, think, you know, <laughs> you know, first effort, best effort, but that's not, that's really not the case no. at all. No. Usually first effort, you know, worst effort. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you know, you sit down and someone's like, write a story about like someone barbecuing and we're going to be like, okay, so we get your barbecue and we get your briquettes. And ooh, I use the word briquette instead of coal, which means I'm doing something that sounds has mouthfeel, briquette. <laughs> you know, but, I use, but it's like, okay, great. What else you got? You know, it's, it's a come, it's, 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 this works in tandem with so what, but it's also just about like, we're all kind of, I think maybe immediately a little bit banal. But that doesn't mean we all don't have the capacity to be hugely inventive and creative and to put our own spin on things. You just have to wait it out sometimes. Yeah. And uh, so that means being patient, you know, and not being complacent, you know, with your first effort. It's so hard. Not, that's like, so hard. This is amazing. It's such a it's such great advice, but it's also so hard to be complacent and like, yeah, that's good enough. I fight I fight with myself a lot with good enough. You know, I need I need to be better than good enough. But good enough yes. is so comfortable, and good enough, enough is not is so making your bed in the morning. And, and I love just, good enough. Me too. Net, I love good, good enough prompts everything. Good enough is Netflix and like this your second favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's. You know, like that's that's <laughs> awesome. But that's not what I want my writing to be. That's fantastic. Thank you. When you have self doubt or dark days, how do you deal with it? 
I just, luckily, I've been writing long enough now that I know there are good days ahead. And I just power through. It's just, yeah, when I was younger, it was a lot harder. I mean, I used to despair really aggressively. And uh, I still have, and actually, I don't know why I'm pretending like I'm such an old lady because, sorry, my eyes, gee. Because uh, in 2010, I think I was at McDowell and I was writing the very beginning of this book that just came out. I I started Uh it in 2010, then I took like a three or four year break from it and did something else. But I could not come up with anything. And I have this one page that I wrote there and it's the most despairing document. I mean, I still (sighs) look at it now and it's like, I've got nothing to say. I have no ideas. There's nothing going on in my head. I'll never write again. And it just goes on and on and on. It's just really desperate, miserable Mm -hmm. Um, now, I was, in some ways, I'm not, I'm not sort of proud of it, but I'm just sort of horrified, and, and I feel I feel for that girl, you know? I really feel for her. I really thought that that was it. I'd written two books, and nothing else was ever going to come again. Oh. And, I mean, I still continue daily, you know, yeah. to feel that way, but now I know that you just, you keep writing, you keep living in the world, keep your ears open, your eyes open, you allow yourself to feel every day what's happening to the people around you, feel your own inner life, just be receptive and available to the world around you and something will happen, you know, and then you just keep writing sentences. I did, I had a year when I was, again, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago or something, and I just didn't write at all. I just could not get anything. I was also, well, incredibly depressed, but that's a whole other story. There are, those two things are often connected. Yeah, Yeah. they really, really do. And I just, I couldn't, I was just like, that's it. I got, I got nothing. And I, but slowly, you know, if you really love this work, you don't, you just claw your way back. You just write hello. And you write, you know, hello, he said. And, you know, and he was wearing a red shirt. And like, huh. nobody wants to read this, but it doesn't matter. Right. You know, right. you just, you just fight through it. You know, and I, and now I have techniques and tools I can use. I just, I get up, I go do something else. I get online, I look at the internet, I read the paper, I go for a run. You know, sometimes my best running happens when I'm swimming or running. You know, it's mm-hmm. how I work out problems. Sometimes mm-hmm. just staring at the computer screen is not helpful. Um, but again, you know, I mean, this experience is wonderful because it does make me feel sort of confident. But, you know, I remember it's sort of the Humean, Humean argument that always said just because the sun has risen every single day until now is no guarantee that it rises again tomorrow. So in some ways... That's enough I to strike, always, like, fear into my core. Fear. Yeah. <laughs> Some ways I'm always mindful that like all of this experience is well shit. And <laughs> it might well be the case that today is the day. That's it. I'll never write again. You know, you just have to sort of try and talk yourself out of the stuff and And then you wake up and you do it all. I really love your 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 verb claw. I think a lot of what we do is claw clawing. Just... A lot of clawing, a lot of groping, a lot of clawing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On really, really bad days, if you couldn't write or you just you just gave it up. You 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 gave into that um, feeling, but you could be anything, have any profession. What would it be? I'd be a mechanic. Why? I love that. I wrote a book about a mechanic. Really? A, a female mechanic. Yes. I would be a mechanic. Although uh, I think I would like to work on old cars. I don't like all the computerized stuff. I'd like to get my hands dirty. Yeah. I, I mean, I like the smell of gasoline in a way mm. that's almost perverse. Me? too. <laughs> yeah. It's just an amazing oh, smell. It's right up there with Sharpies. And, yeah. And I like... Um, I've always, you know, when I was a kid, I used to take apart, you know, my mom's or my dad's like stereo system, much to their horror. I'd take apart anything. You know, I always liked electronics in some ways or just, I like tinkering, you know, I used to take apart clocks. And so I think that uh, I've always been interested in cars, how they run, how they work. And I think, yeah, I would just be, I would love to be able to just pop open the hood and look at this thing and try to figure out, you know, how does it work and what does it need? And 
there, there are so many parallels to be drawn there, like with what we do with novels. Like you really are the mechanic of this novel and you are going and finding what doesn't work and fixing it and trying something else. And, you know, but all you need is spark and gas, right? You need, yeah, you need. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's manual. You know, I'd like to be able to use my hands. Yeah. It's, 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 people will say things like, well, it's, it's not cerebral. I mean, in some ways it is cerebral. It's Heck not yeah. kind of an intellectual exercise, but you have to use your brain to figure right. out, you know, diagnose a problem. Um, you know, in, in that way, it's not dissimilar from, say, being a doctor. You know, all the parts are working together and you have to take some kind of holistic approach. And, yeah. But, you know, all of that said, I know absolutely nothing about cars. Nothing. <laughs> so if you just left me with my car, you know, and I just the other day, like, heat seemed to be coming from the steering wheel. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, what does this mean? I have to, heat from the yeah. steering wheel? Yeah, isn't that weird? I know. It's, it's not normal. Was it okay? I might, have, I might have made this up. I don't know. I started Googling, like, heat from steering wheel shaft Subaru, and just nothing came up. <laughs> nothing at all. Okay, I was I like, hope... is that the transmission? I mean, I don't know anything. <laughs> I so... hope that that remains to be okay with your car. That's, we'll that's find out. I, mean... I used to have a, a, a VW that if I turned the, um, no, it was my old Fiat, that if I turned the left turn signal, the horn honked. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I like those little things. Nice. Well, if my car totally craps out, then I'm really going to have to buy the desk. <laughs> and then I'll just sit in there exactly. and grow some, you know, I'll grow some plants. Up around it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best book you've read recently and why did you love it? Oh, you're not going to like this at all. But oh, I actually, I can't wait. it depends what you mean by recently, but I am a judge for the Center for Fiction's first novel prize. Yeah. And I've been reading so many books. For this oh, prize, none of them but are of published. Course, I cannot. Yeah. I cannot. No, they're all. Well, most oh, of them are all published. out. Okay. Not not all of them, but the lion's share of them. But of course, I cannot tell you which of them I'm most excited about. Um, and that's all I've read for the past maybe four months. I mean, it's really yeah. been a just kind of a marvelous and, and harrowing undertaking. Um, but I will say, I mean, part of the reason I wanted to do it is because I love the Center for Fiction. It's here in New York. Um, they do such great work, and also because I just sort of felt a little disconnected. Like, what are what are people writing about now? The first yeah. novels, what what's on that? You know, what are people doing? Yeah. So I thought this would be a great way to find out, like, what my peers, especially sort of maybe not younger writers, but new writers are doing, or people who are at least new to novel writing. And that's been really interesting. And some of these books are like off the charts good. Oh, that's you so know, some exciting! Of them are great. You know, there's so much talent out there, and and that was just thrilling. And I, I did read, you know, a handful of books that I was super impressed with or by for multiple reasons. And that was sort of, you know, in some ways reassuring. And, and what I particularly liked is that some of them actually made me feel legitimately bad about my own prose writing. That's I was like, fantastic. wow, this sounds like, dude, can I even do the things that these people are doing? <laughs> and, you know, so that's always a great and some, well, it's not so great, but it's not right, a great right, right, feeling. Right. You know, you don't, you want to be um, not comparing, but identifying. But it was wonderful, you know. So, but so I, I can't tell you. Will but, you um, once the list comes out? Will you shoot me what your favorite was on the list, and I'll just link it in the show notes so people can have a yeah, gander I mean, someday I, in the I, future if they're listening I, to yeah, this. Sure. Late. I mean, I I feel like um, our we have a great group of judges, and I feel like we all have sort of, if not similar temperaments, we still should be able to agree. I think because the books that are stand out are just stand out. Yeah. So I'm hoping. At least, you know, watch me say that and then end up being the case that we can't agree on anything, which can certainly happen. That's, I'm so uh, curious. But I'm hoping that the short list is, is, in fact, reflects at least all the books that I love. But, you know, we'll find out. How many people are judging? Um, I think there's five of us. Okay. That's so yeah. cool. That's so fun. Five of us because there's just there's a lot of books. All right. I will, I will look for that short list. That is awesome. What would you like to plug right now? Tell us about your new book or and tell us where to find you. 
Uh, the new book is called uh, A Little More Human. It came out in Notice April, I, right? It did. Notice I had to pause because I was like, what was this book called? <laughs> it's got um, a fantastic cover, too, I have to say. that's a, Thanks. I love it. It's Grey Wolf, right? It's, so, it's Grey Wolf. Yeah. They are They're the best. Great. They are great. Um, I'd say the book, it's kind of like a little bit of a sci-fi thriller in some ways with a kind of, it's domestic drama. It's like domestic drama meets sci-fi thriller meets me. And you, you know, you put all that together and you get something I think rather peculiar. And add, um, add a, add a superpower or two. A little plus. bit of a superpower. Uh, it's basically about a guy, you know, who wakes up one morning with no evidence of what he did the night before, only to be presented with evidence that he assaulted a woman. And he kind of spends the whole novel trying to figure out if he did or did not do this horrible thing. And maybe more importantly, if he's even capable about it, uh, of, of committing this kind of horrible uh, crime. Um, the book, to me, you know, if I mean maybe a little bit pretentious, to me, in my mind, it's all about sort of being emotionally incoherent to yourself. What mm. happens when you just have no idea what is really transpiring in your inner life and, you know, how much anxiety uh, necessarily grows from from that problem. I mean, everybody in the novel that kind of follows three characters and all of them in some ways are reckoning with you know, who they are and what they remember about their lives and how they use memory to construct their sense of themselves. Um, so, you know, it kind of goes from there. And it, it definitely, I will tell you that I am continuing with the book because it has such a so what for me. Yeah, the, the so what is there in, in, in the way oh, that so. I have not ever, I didn't even think to ask myself that, so... Um, I certainly hope so. I mean, it. I never want to write anything that just feels frivolous, which is difficult when you're writing the kind of stuff that I write because it's it, there's it's a lot of um, there is some absurdity there. Although I'd never find my books as absurd as other people, which tells you something about where I'm at. <laughs> but you know, there is there are hijinks, and I, know, I consider it. absurd to be that, that, that. I meant that as a compliment, obviously. Oh, I, I, I didn't take it badly. It's okay, just, good. To yes. me, things that strike other people as 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 absurd to me are just like what. That's Tuesday. What are you, exactly. What are you talking about? I've got a banana coming out of my ear. What are you talking about? It's every day. Come on. What's wrong with you people? And, you know, also a lot of people read the books and they're like, these people are horrible. And I'm like, no, they're not. Oh, like, this is that. This is just people is... struggling with their right. with themselves. You know, well, this is horrible. So, you know, I so I don't think I'm necessarily calibrated, you know, maybe the way other people are. I don't know. But um, I will say that, yes, when you are writing stuff like I do that has a lot of hijinks and a lot of plot – it's very difficult to kind of lose your way or forget that you're actually trying to write something mm. that matters, mm -hmm. that addresses some kind of big questions. Um, my new project is so unbelievably conventional that it's feeling very challenging as a result. You know, I'm de so? determined. Well, I'm trying to like stay away from the, the heavy plotting and the hijinks and the absurdity. Oh. I'm just, I'm like, don't go there. It's incredibly hard. But So I, you're heading more for just like straight up literary kind yeah, of the straight family tr traditional yeah all my books are about families yeah, and, yeah you know one way or other but yeah this one just doesn't have any conceits no tropes it's you know and for me that's that's novel it, it's my only book that only has one it's narrated by one main character and there's there are no other characters that intrude there are no other voices there's no multiple points of view it's just um, the only thing sort of mildly interesting is it has a split timeline you know it's backstory mm -hmm. fun story but so what? I mean, that's, that's hardly inventive at this point. But I love um, that it's challenging you. I mean, that's, it's challenging that's, me because it's great. not what I do. So for yeah. me, it feels like, you know, well, that's, you know, you always want to reinvent yourself, right? Every time you do start a new project, you want to see, you know, who you are. And they do say that ha happiness lies most on that line where you feel like you're almost unable to do what you're attempting to do, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but pulling it off. So that's where I always try to be too. Mm -hmm. where, where, can we, where can we find you online? Uh, you mean what's my website? Yes. Oh, 
um, you can tell how comfortable I am living in the 21st century. Uh, <laughs> I, you got that www. <laughs> yeah, no, the internet. Uh, com. Great. I'm and like, I have some Twitter handle. I know it was never, I never tweet. The president is tweeting. Uh, he's doing enough tweeting for everybody. He really is. And yeah. um, I yeah. just saw breaking news that he basically threatened North Korea. He's basically like, we're going to blow the crap out of you if you I, bother I, us anymore. I saw Wonderful. that too. It, it was right. much more enjoyable to come to the computer and talk to you than to continue <laughs> looking at, you know, this This probably won't go to press because we're all going to be, we're going to blow up. <laughs> we're going to be dead, but... exactly. <laughs> well, on that bright note. <laughs> Um, and I have a Facebook page, but like I, I just have no real like media online presence at all. I Good just, for you. I can't. I can't go there. Good for you. I'm no, it's more. It's not even like a moral decision. I just don't understand any of it. It's just because I have oh, no, no you skill. Should definitely take the moral high ground there. Like just, just like I, I can't. I want to claim it. I want to really badly, but I just, I can't. I'm just uh, a luddite. I think, or just an idiot. Oh, so enjoy it. As long as you can work Netflix, man. This I can do. <laughs> Thank I do s- have my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Fiona. It's been an oh, absolute pleasure. pleasure to talk to you, and Thank I appreciate you. your time. Of okay. course. Anytime. Take care. Bye. You too. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>